about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. you. I was thinking of all the people that have already spoken, and when God says, you know, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And sometimes in coffee house we get to know each other better, but what better way to hear the hearts of people as they stand here? And so I was thinking Bethany shared with us about uh, following the call of God, that the passion of our heart is to see us follow his call. And um, Barbara shared scripture after scripture. You just touch Barbara and your scripture will come out. And different ones that have spoken already that have shared their hearts with us. Pastor Ben always talks about Jesus. His heart is full of Jesus. And Patrick's heart is to see us prosper and be blessed. So one thing... I, I want to share different things, and I've got like three different things going on in my heart to share with you, and I'm not quite sure where we're going with this, so we're just going to have to follow through, I guess. So um, I would like to pray, however, I am looking for my notes, <laughs> and all right, so what I'm going to do, since I can't see them, is read you from the Amplified Bible a prayer regarding love, and you're probably all going to guess right where I'm going. But the Amplified does that. It adds more words, so you're going to have to be a little patient with it. But I'm going to go slowly because it's really a powerful um, prayer. It's in Ephesians. Hallelujah, Lord. I've been thanking him for red lights all over the place. It's ending the first section of Ephesians that tells us how blessed we are. So in Ephesians chapter 3, I'm going to start with verse 17. It says, oh, I'm sorry, six, 15. No, 16. <laughs> All right. Father, grant to us out of the rich treasury of your glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by your Holy Spirit, himself dwelling in our innermost beings and personalities. May Christ, through our faith, actually dwell, settle down, abide. Lord Jesus, make your permanent home in our hearts. May we be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love that we may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience of your love. 
what is the breadth and length and height and depth of it, that we may really come to know practically through experience for ourselves the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that we may be filled through all of our being unto all the fullness of God, the fullness of you. May we have the richest measure of your divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with you yourself. Now to you, Father, who, because of the action of your power that is at work within us, you are able to carry out your purpose and do superabundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. God, to you be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Okay, God wants us to be filled with himself and be able to pour it out, pour him out onto others. And Pastor Tom's been talking about signs and miracles, and that comes as we are rooted and grounded in the love of God. There are pictures, there are snapshots of God's love, and I'm going to ask for some, some thinking a little bit here. I'm thinking of, say, the prodigal son's father. There's a picture of God's love running to us and coming and, and looking for us. There's um, also for the son that was not too happy with his father throwing a party for the prodigal who came home. He said, son, you're always with me, and everything I have is yours. So um, think of some other pictures in the Bible that might be of love, and then just speak it out. Luann, do you have something? It's okay, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. The woman at the well, right. And what about the love that you see in that story? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Someone finally understood. You ever get that? You know, as much as you love people, you don't fully understand them, and they don't feel like you fully understand them, but God does. God understands us. Um, I was thinking of a picture. There's another, I'll, I'll leave this, but this is so embedded in my mind. I went to a wedding, and this young woman was, was just full of life. And the time came for, you know, it, the marriage had ended, they, the ceremony was done, and, and the young girl went, I'm yours, you know. She was just all in. It was her, all of her, given to the groom. And I thought, Lord, that's the way I want to be. I want to have that picture in my mind to be able to do that with you. So I'm going to show, share with you another picture that isn't quite as obvious. So let's turn to John chapter 10. And, you know, 
for the rest of our lives, having the love of God and trusting the love of God is going to bring us through whatever we need to know, whatever we need to go through. With that kind of a foundation, and I've been a Christian longer, <laughs> um, longer than 50 years, if you can believe it, um, and at this point, it's understanding that that love is never going to fail, no matter what I may be like or what may be happening, because I've been through cancer, and I've been through stuff, you know, and I've been through rejection, and everything that you all, you know, have maybe experienced in hardship or whatever, but Jesus brought me through, and the, his love has never failed. So for 50 years, be encouraged. <laughs> um, all right, John chapter 10. You know, I didn't pray and ask the Lord, Lord, lead me through this and, and bless the people, and I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so John chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 7. Then said Jesus unto them again, to the Jewish people, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. And this is what pastor's been talking to us about, that Jesus is the door into the kingdom. And that's what I see in verse 9, that if any man cometh to Jesus, to the Father, he'll be saved, he'll be rescued, he'll be um, protected, he'll be brought in. And he'll go in and out and find pasture, which is, as a sheep, that's the best place that you could be. So in and out, the freedom to come and go. All right, so verse 10. Now you're going to hear a familiar verse right now. The thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And look at the next verse. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. And what I see throughout these scriptures, especially in the Gospel of John, as I go chapter by chapter, I keep seeing the themes of death and life, which is, I, I've, um, one of my clients once asked me, you know, to highlight his Bible with everything having to do with death. And all I found was death and life, death and life, death and life, death and life, all through the Bible. Of course, you find many other themes too, but... Um, here we are in verse 10, and it's telling you exactly where death comes from. It's the thief, the enemy, the devil. But Jesus came that we would have life and have it more abundantly. So the very next verse says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. So there are some things you need to know about a sheepfold, about the shepherd and the door and the sheep. So the sheepfold was an enclosure. 
It had no roof. It was made maybe of bricks and, or timber or um, even stones that were roughly put together. And at the top were bramble bushes or thorny bushes. So it would keep predators from jumping over the wall and they'd, they'd get hindered by that. But there was, a, there was an opening. It wasn't even a door. There was nothing closing the sheep in the enclosure. The shepherd would bring the sheep in, in at nighttime to protect them. And the shepherd himself became the door. He would lie down at the opening, and so if any predator would come, he would rise up and kill whatever was trying to kill his sheep. So this is what Jesus is talking about. I'm the door. I'm not only going to allow you to come into the kingdom, but I'm going to protect you and save you and help you. So one thing that's about the, the sheepfold and the shepherd, but not about us. Isn't that great? Don't you love it? I should throw it around. You can toss it. <laughs> um, when I was first, first time ever, and f probably the very last, I was a manager first time. And I was like, oh my gosh. It was tense. It was hard. I had a young 26-year-old. I was maybe 35 or 40 or something. And oh my gosh, she treated me the way I treated my mother. She always had a smart answer. I would say, do this, and she'd come up with something different. And right away, just dance me like that. And I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get everything done? And plus, they gave me, my, my supervisor was the chairman of the chemical engineering department who ended up going up in space. Fun, fun time of my life. But he wanted me to be his administrative assistant. And anybody who knows about managing, you cannot do both at the same time. So my mother got me a little handheld lamp. And I tell you what, I went to bed with it. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> you know? And it was comforting to me. And one thing I know about sheep, and we probably all do, is that they are very dependent. They need to depend on their shepherd. There is no way that, that a sheep would be able to find its way except by listening to the voice of the shepherd. And the shepherd, every morning, would, would kind of groom, you know, check, check out the sheep and make sure everything was fine and lead them out, you know, into pasture. And they would listen to his voice and just the way Jesus said, that they began to understand, even as little little ewes, I guess they call them, um, the different fluctuations of the voice of the shepherd. And that's why they just, they get to know the shepherd. And that's what Jesus wants for us, too. Um, someone was online and was saying something, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he was talking about finances. And he says, how do you know if you're trusting the shepherd or if you're trusting mammon? And he said, money is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, it's like, put, your, put money in place of the Lord and see where your affections are and what you're trusting. So, um, okay. I have another section of scripture. Let's turn to Matthew, chapter 4. 
trusting the shepherd as a sheep um, becomes something we have to be aware of who are we depending on. And one thing that we see in Matthew 4 is the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. It starts in chapter 3 at the very end on 15, uh, and 16. It says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were open unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And why I started with that before the temptation is many of us have found scriptures for ourselves that we are trusting the Lord for, that we're leaning on heavily, and all of a sudden we get a hard time. I, I just went through a dark time of my mind just, just being heavy, and I didn't recognize it so much as an attack, but it was like a combination of everything. It was, Lord, where am I going? What's my goal? Here I am, two years out of Bible school, and what am I doing with myself? Um, and so it was not only my, where am I heading, it was also coming into church and actually questioning scriptures, which, like, where is this coming from? Obviously the enemy, but I was questioning them, and I was depressed, and it was just a whole bunch of things. Physically, things were going on. And I needed a breakthrough, and the Lord simply spoke to my heart. And I told him, it's like a bullseye. I'm here, I'm throwing things all around, trying to find my place in this world, I guess, and trying to get the things that I need to help me. And I'm not hitting the bullseye. I'm just getting frustrated hitting all around. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, trust me to aim you. And that settled every question. It's like we're so used to being in a world where they say, earn money. And yet in the kingdom, we have an inheritance. And it says, be good so people can see how good you are. And it's, no, understand that I've made you my righteousness. You know, different, look, look for that. Where the world tells you one thing, and the kingdom tells you a whole nother thing. And that's one thing that I found, okay, put your finger in Matthew. <laughs> and one thing that I started to see in Romans, and this is kind of where I want to head with this. First, you have to have the belt of truth in fighting the enemy. So the belt of truth for me is that God loves me, no matter what. God loves me. So that's my truth. Now the belt in those days for the Roman armor was what held up all the rest of the armor. So without the belt, you've got a slipping righteousness. You know, your feet maybe aren't going to be quite as solid on the ground. It's the shield, the whole nine yards. The belt is very important. And, uh, okay, hold on one second. All right, so what I've seen is when we have scriptures that we're holding on to, the time to hold on to them the hardest is when we're going through junk, right? It's almost like you have to do it through gritted teeth. 
you have to say, I am loved. I don't care how much rejection I may experience. I don't care, you know, um, what my checkbook may look like. I don't care if I've got bills on the kitchen table waiting for, for money to come in so I can pay them. I am prosperous. I am blessed. It's, that's when the battle is the fiercest, and that's when you have to hold on to it the most. So, and not, so the love of God will minister to you in your heart right where you need it. But the word of God also will keep you steadfast. And you will see, I mean, I, I had a thing going on too with pride in my head. I hate to say it, but yeah, it was going on. And I finally just said, this is not me. It's not who I am. I hate it. I don't want it. And besides which, it's a lie. So that's where I'm encouraging you. And what I'm seeing in Romans, thank you, Lord, chapter 5. We'll go to, let's see, all right, we'll start with 17. We're going to see death and life here portrayed and something else, too. So in verse 17, it says, For if by one man's offense, meaning Adam, death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to jump to 19. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. All right, let's look back. Death reigned. And why did death reign? Because sin was in the world. So sin brought death. Now the challenge is, in verse 20, the law enters. It's like, wait a minute, I thought it was bad to begin with. Now it's the law telling me I'm terrible. <laughs> because that's what Romans, all right, if you want, I'll give you it. Romans chapter 3 says, Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be called righteous or justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So God was making it very clear to all of us, all mankind, that you sin, you die. <laughs> you sin, it's going to get worse. And I found that too in getting older, that if I, if I stick with things that I know are wrong, I get worse. And the reason is that corruption is in the world. That even an apple, you look at an apple, you keep it out long enough, it's going to get brown and icky and soft and it's rotten. Thank you. Somebody said that. <laughs> that you, it th gets thrown away. And that's what happens with us is we don't go before the Lord. And this is where we need to know the love of God. That I can go to God and say to him, God, I'm having prideful thoughts. This is awful. It is ugly. I don't want it. And allow him to minister back. You know, he, he, he's not shocked by anything wrong that we do. 
I love it. And you can go to him and receive of his love in the midst of the mess and get an answer. So, all right. Also, so when we see the sin and we see the death, and then we see the law that makes it worse, notice that in verse 20 it says, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Understanding grace is like something I have not understood, I'll be very honest with you, because I do. People still say to me, you know, you're very hard on yourself. It's like, then I need to understand more about grace. I need to understand that God has forgiven every sin and that he loves me. He's made me his child, and his grace is sufficient for any need I have. So, all right. So, I'm not going to take long, and I know you're all tired. I can see it. I love you all. But I want you to um, recognize something else that I recognized. <laughs> I do love you. So, um, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, here in chapter Romans 6, let's just hit four, verse 4. Or three, know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. So we're talking death again. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should. It doesn't say live it doesn't say, you know, think about it. He says, walk in newness of life. One of the keys that I found is resurrection life overcomes any death. I love one of the songs that we sing, you know, that there's no, there's no death that God can't rise up within his kingdom. Um, so I want you to notice that because we are dead. We are to consider ourselves dead. But it's our bodies that do things, according to scripture. It's like our minds agree with the, the love of God and the plan of God and the word of God. But our bodies, have you ever done, and I've done this. You may not be able to see it so much on me, but I've gone to the refrigerator when I'm not hungry just because I'm either emotionally needing something <laughs> or just just for the fact that there's something in the fridge that I think I'd want to eat, and I've eaten too much of it already. So there you go. Um, it's just something that our bodies like to do. You know, you see the cake and you go, ooh, cake. You know? So um, this is something that I'm going to be looking into more. Now, today is also the beginning of Lent, which is a religious sort of thing. But I want to maybe challenge you, because I'm going to try to do this as well. Forty days from now is Easter. And Easter speaks of resurrection. And this is the life God wants us to live in the kingdom, the resurrected life where we can lay hands on the dead or speak to the dead and see them rise. I mean, that's pretty wild, but it's happened. It's not impossible. So from now to then, I'm going to try to be studying Romans 6, 7, and 8. So that's a, a clue that to try to say, Lord, show me. Show me that this is true. Show me that I am dead already, that I am risen with Christ. And, and this is in um, 
verse 5, it says, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. To be planted together, that Greek word actually means to be united and and like spring forth, come up to get, it's not, not so much together. I mean, you're all sitting together right now, but it's united and we can experience that kind of new life by keeping our minds on the Lord. And that's one thing I did, I did want to share um, several things, but okay. I, I've been reading this book with a friend, Soul Care. Uh, not that I really like the title, <laughs> but that it, it gives you some clues. And it says, all right, so if you're trying to love someone and you find yourself getting defensive, um, that's, a, that's a lie that you're believing. Amen. There's something within you that either doesn't want to hear it, because I've done it, you know, you, you just push it away, or, or you just start blaming the other person. Well, they, don't, they just don't understand. You know, or or any of these things that we know, we we have the spirit of God in us, and and it does bother us when we do stuff like that. When that happens, don't run from it. Spend some time. Say, all right, Lord, I'm going to spend time with you. You know, if you're working or something happens like that, go before the Lord and start to worship or read the Word. Just get your mind off as much as you can the situation. Then when you're calmed down, <laughs> then you can go to the Lord and say, all right, what's the lie behind this? What's going on within me? And allow him to heal that area that he needs to speak, he wants to speak to it so we can be into the image of Christ. And I just, I want to read this one thing. Let's see. First of all, the issue of my value. I, I think a lot of it comes from that. That we'd want to have value, and if somebody's devaluing us, we either jump to it or we get upset or whatever. The issue of our value was settled at the cross. That God considered the blood of his son a worthy payment. So you can take communion at home. You can think about the kind of love that God, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the sons of God. So um, there are a couple of things that I saw. Let's see. Okay. One is insecurity. When there's insecurity, there's you're just not stable. You know, and so you can go to God and keep your mouth shut at that point and just say, Lord, if they're right, show them. I mean, no, show me. And if they're wrong, show them. <laughs> you know. So if you can keep your balance with the Lord's love. Okay, but this one was important to me. This is a pastor talking. At times I've had to deliver someone from demonic spirits, a person who was severely abused. Often the person will end up on the floor in a full-fledged demonic manifestation. The demon bullies them as they refuse to engage their will in the battle and they bow to the bully. So we're talking intimidation and um, victimization. So we're not victims anymore. I had to learn that as well. Self-pity enters into that kind of thing. So, okay, 
They crawl up in a fetal position on the floor and cry uncontrollably. I command the spirit to stop, and then I look at the person and say sternly but compassionately, look at me. You were victimized, but you are not a victim. I need you to fight with me. I need you to lift your eyes off yourself, off the demons, and onto Jesus. Look to Jesus. He isn't nervous. He has you, and he has this battle. Look to Jesus. So I felt at the end of, of this, <laughs> whatever. No, I will, I will read this last one really quickly. And then um, if you've experienced that kind of intimidation or... Um, I'm th- trying to think of the word inferiority or all of that other stuff. I would like to pray for you. And, I, and you know, if you want to go to pastors either side, f- feel free, you know, but just to break off, especially the self-pity thing and the victimization thing. So, all right. But, okay, Romans 8. Here's, here's the good news. All right. There's no condemnation. In, in verse 1, and then here's verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. And then we're going to jump to... Well, all right, I'm going to start reading from 5, because here's another clue. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity or hostile against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. So we can live through the Holy Spirit and overcome. And then it says, but if... The spirit, yes, we have a body that's dead because of sin, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he who has raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or make alive your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. That's why in Romans 12, Paul can say, present your bodies as your reasonable service of worship. Okay, and this is the part we don't like, and there is a very familiar verse within this section in verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. We don't owe our bodies, our flesh, one thing. We don't owe them anything. We owe God everything. Not to the flesh. We don't owe the flesh anything to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you, through the Spirit, do mortify or kill the deeds of the body, ye shall live. And that's recognizing that we're dead already and saying no. And, and then it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, 
they are the sons of God. Now, he's just been talking about this is the spirit of God that gives us life. So as we follow him, as we think on him, as we take time for him, then we're going to have the kind of life that he's already given us, within us. So, all right, what was the, oh, Lord Jesus. Okay, so, and here's 15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. When there's perfect love, we don't have to fear. We're not going to be in bondage anymore, and we don't have to fear our Father for anything that's going on. You have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So I'm going to end with that, and let me pray. Father, thank you. We love you. We appreciate you. We're grateful for your love, Lord that never lets us down. And we ask you, Father, open the eyes of our understanding that we might not only know your love, but also know your life within us. Thank you, Father, that we can say with Paul that it's not we who live, but it's Christ who lives in us and through us because you loved us first. So, Father, I pray your blessing on this congregation and the people within it. Thank you for each one of them. And we're, we're just going to say we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. the key.